0: All right, this is Zach Cordell, the Latter-day Saint nutritionist. Welcome to my podcast. I am here to let you know that on episode 17, we are going to start a four-part interview with Elise George, similar to our interviews with JC Whiteman and Blade Hargis on our earlier episodes. This episode is going to be about a four-part series, okay? And instead of dropping them all today, I'm going to release them at a week interval, Uh, to see how things are going to be received, because if people like that better, then maybe I'll start doing more frequent episodes. But again, we're going to do a little bit of beta testing. So, Elise George, trained neuroscientist from Dartmouth, and uh, currently working as a marketing individual for the city of Sandy, Utah. And while you might think that neuroscience and marketing don't very much go well together, I would challenge you to think again. And I will invite you to recognize that this is a conversation that I'm having with Elise. This conversation is going to be not necessarily fast paced, but it's going to be genuine and it's going to be vulnerable. And whenever you're making changes in your lives, a lot of times you have to be willing to be vulnerable, whether that's going to be in terms of the gospel or in terms of your health. You can look at yourself in the mirror and be like, ah, man, I'm so disgusted with myself. And then you kind of get angry and you start to change and then it doesn't necessarily stick. But if you can have a vulnerable conversation where it's like, you know what? The reason I'm having these problems is because I'm doing this, this, and this. And these are my barriers to success. So this is what I'm going to do to change it. In doing that, you're going to have better success, but I don't want to get into it and and start the whole episode without a lease. So we'll go ahead and get started, but please stick around at least till the middle because I have some exciting news for some of you. Uh, I'll be hosting an event at potentially a site near you, and there's a special offer for those of you who um, hear about it earlier than others. So, on with the episode. This is Zach Cordell registered dietitian and host for the latter-day saint nutritionist where food faith and science meet this podcast is not intended to be individualized medical advice as always please consult with a medical professional in your area to make sure that your medical history is taken into account to make sure that you get the best care possible elise correct not yep. eliza none none of those funny no. things okay yeah i get zatch all the time yeah. i know it's a joke but it's not necessarily funny
1: no my husband's name is zach and it's always he gets zachary which he hates even though that's his legal name but right yeah, and they, they always misspell it and he's a ch just like you but
0: i mean my yeah. grandma misspelled it
1: So I can't really, like, blame anybody
0: for misspelling it, but it's kind of an easy name. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So Elise George, tell me a little bit about you. Who are you? What's your background? What do you do for fun?
1: Yeah. What do I do for fun? Um, So I grew up in Southern California. I don't know how far back you want to go, but (laughs) grew up in the uh, L.A. area, moved to Oregon for high school. Um, And then after high school, I went to Dartmouth for college where I majored in neuroscience and had additional... And for those that have
0: never heard of Dartmouth, where is Dartmouth?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Dartmouth is in New Hampshire. It's part of the Ivy League. It's the most northern um, school there. And it's just in like a small town called Hanover. It's a really small village kind of in the, the White Mountain region of New Hampshire. Um, And that was a few years ago, a few more years than I'd like to admit. And um, yeah, so while I was there, I studied neuroscience and I had additional emphasis in music and theater and education. Um, And while I was there, I studied like my, I really liked understanding how music and neuroscience come together because, um, you know, there were a lot of, there was a lot of research at the time and I guess there still is about how. Kids who study music are – they do better on test scores and reading scores, whatever, SATs, and I wanted to understand why. So my senior thesis was about – it combined my music experience as a musician and my neuroscience interest. And so I did a study, um, a human study, comparing the brains of musicians and non-musicians, which was pretty cool to be able to do as an undergrad.
0: Did you use, like, functional MRIs to do that, or how did you – do like neural imaging?
1: Yeah. So I didn't do neuroimaging. I did, um, what are called ERPs, which are event related potentials. And that's recorded from an EEG, which is an electroencephalogram. Um, and so we were studying the electricity of the brain under specific tasks, specifically memory tasks. Um, and so that's kind of, had I gone that route, I probably would have ended up doing that kind of research, but I decided that wasn't the route for me. Um, but while I was in school, um, I was introduced to the church. I didn't grow up religious. Um, my family, on my mom's side, is Catholic, um, but she she wasn't practicing when I was when I was born. So I grew up without really any religion, and I honestly thought religion was just kind of a crutch for the weak because I was mm-hmm. like very very science minded, and I just thought there's science and then there's religion and never the two. Shall meet and their mutually exclusive ideas, but that was when I was 17 and I thought I knew everything about the world. <laughs> um,
0: I don't know what that's like at all. <laughs> yeah,
1: when you're 17, you think you're smarter than everybody else. Um, yeah, so, while so then where did it,
0: this happen at Dartmouth where you uh,
1: became a little more humble? Would you say? Um, yeah, it was a lot of things, it was getting out of a bad home situation. Okay, um, I, I always felt like I really resonated with Harry Potter when it came out because much like when he got kind of plucked out of his situation and sent off to Hogwarts, I kind of felt like I got plucked out of my bad home situation and I got sent 3000 miles away across the country where I could, I could be independent and kind of leave a lot of that um, trauma and bad stuff behind. But anyway, yeah. So while I was there, I always was interested in religion. I just, I don't know, exercising faith was really scary and um, I had bad things happen to me in my life, and I didn't understand why God would allow bad things to happen to me. Um, and But I always I, wanted I to I think know. a lot of
0: people can resonate with that, right? So, I mean, like, bad things happen, and you don't understand why. I mean, with Joseph Smith, right? There was mm-hmm. his brother Alvin passed away. Yeah. He had his own physical trials with Lehi. Yeah. He had to leave his home and all the things that he had, right? So, like, I think that's a yeah. common theme where we all – kind of feel like things happen and we don't understand why they would happen.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I I just didn't have a lot of context on my uh, what had happened to me as a kid. One, The big thing for me was my dad died when I was four and I always had a hard time with that and um, I didn't understand why God would have allowed my dad to die. But once I learned more about who my dad was and... Um, that I under I understood more about like, if he was alive, my life would have gone really poorly probably. And so I, I just understood that like Heavenly Father allowed those things to happen. Um, and he understood, right. Cause he can see the end from the beginning. He understood that the best thing for me was for that person to, not be part of my life anymore and it's not like it was a random accident like he passed away because of his own actions and I think that's part of Heavenly Father respecting our agency right so um there's a time appointed for all men and yeah. um my dad I made think... his choices and and, and so that I to answer your question about like being humble like is that what changed I think it was just me coming to a better understanding of what my life would have been like um, and that it wasn't going to be necessarily all roses. And so then I started to exercise yeah. faith a little bit. And then I met someone in college who was a member of the church. And she became my best friend in college. And there's just a small group of saints that um, are in the Dartmouth area.
0: Yeah. So then what are you doing now? So you, you have a bachelor's degree in neuroscience with an interest in music. Mm-hmm. So what are you up to now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I don't do anything in neuroscience anymore I am currently uh, I do marketing and development for um, a city here in Utah for Sandy Utah and I specifically um, am focused on community arts which kind of gets it my background studying theater and studying music and I always tell people that marketing is nothing but targeted manipulation yeah um, which which we will talk about right and it just makes me sound like Satan but I don't mean (laughs) to sound like Satan because you can manipulate people to do good things. Right. So the church puts out ad campaigns to get us to light the world or to watch a specific faith promoting video. And they put it out at a time that they know the algorithm will be right. They shoot it in a certain way that will help uh, convince us to watch the video or to be more um, compelling. So targeted manipulation isn't necessarily like (laughs) I work for Satan or anything like that. Um, but studying neuroscience and human behavior and understanding um, why people make the choices that they make, actually, um, I use it a lot in neuroscience, a little bit more than I thought you're, I might.
0: You're pretty modest, right? So, I mean, like, you're also a blogger.
1: Kind of. So when I, like, when the, like, the feeling strikes, I guess. Not very consistent. <laughs> and
0: your, your husband has contributed to a little bit. I, I went through and looked at him, and, and he, had, he had an awesome post the other day. Um, oh yeah.
1: Thank you. I uh, really no. appreciate knowing that.
0: But at the same time, uh, you also have a, a pretty big Instagram following. Yeah. And what's neat about it is that like, you're just real, right? Oh, thank you're, you. You're not really That's like the goal. putting on an air of anything. You're not manipulating anybody. It's just like,
1: yeah, this
0: is, this is me. And this is what I do. And yeah. one of the things that, that drew me to you is that there's the body positivity side of it. And maybe that's not like a focus, like specifically what you're trying to do. But I think kind of in terms of being a missionary in the church, right? All members are missionaries. We share the gospel. And it's not necessarily you going and knocking on doors,
1: but it's Mm -hmm. you living
0: your life and being an example, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'd like to think that's hopefully what I can do. Um yeah, I know that some people, and I don't feel like I have like a huge following. I feel like I look at people who have, hundred thousand or five hundred thousand or crazy numbers, and I'm like, I'm just derpy, awkward kid over here in the corner who, like, doesn't know how to pose for anything. And I just, I don't know. I so I just feel like I'm faking it all the time. But I appreciate, I really appreciate that you said that I, um, that it feels real because that's the whole point. <laughs> Well, we Um, live in a
0: world where a lot of things aren't real, right? Yeah. Now, I want to take a quick break and have a little bit of real talk. I mean, in the podcast, a lot of times you can think that it's easy to just think this is a voice coming through your radio, your phone, however it is you're listening to it. But let's be real. During this break, I wanted to uh, announce an upcoming event that I'm excited about. On August 10th, I will be hosting the Peace and the Plate annual event in Lehigh, Utah, Thanksgiving Point. Elise will be there, and JC Whiteman, who I interviewed previously, will also be there we're going to talk about making peace with food, understanding external influences that impact our health, and talking about how to best define and obtain the health that we're looking for. There's going to be a special launch pricing for the first 15 people to sign up, and then the early bird pricing will last until May 1st. There is limited space available, so just be sure not to wait, and I will have a link for that in the show notes. But I'm really excited and uh, hope to see you there. So we'll hop on back this episode in our interview with Elise and talk a little bit more about being genuine and vulnerable whenever we're making health changes. And I think back to uh, Elder Bednar gave a talk, Things as They Really Are, Mm -hmm. and he talks about virtual reality. and, And he gave that talk. It had to have been almost 15 years ago now. Yeah. And and it's like that does not – If if we had realized what he was going to talk about and how that relates to what we're doing, it would have been insane to see what it's going to – and how it applies now, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was mentioning people playing video games and building these fake worlds. And now it's like, no, literally everybody – is building this this world where it's virtual, and a lot of people aren't um, really doing what they think they're doing, or they're putting on a, a guise or a mask or a filter to present mm-hmm. themselves a certain way. So yeah. I think it's awesome what you're doing.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I just I don't know what it was. I think I have never I have never found value in pretending to be perfect. Um, I tried that for a long time, and the perfectionist uh, <laughs> the perfectionist tendencies are strong <laughs> within me. I mean, that's what motivated me to get good grades and go to a place like Dartmouth and whatever. Um, but over time, it just it wasn't satisfying to pretend to be perfect right. and to be whatever. And honestly, like, and after I started going to church, um the ward that i was baptized into in hanover is amazing um and everybody there was really real but then as i have lived in different places and i think a lot of people have had this experience where they feel like everybody at church is perfect and they've got it all together and you can sit through sunday school or relief society or elders quorum and uh just feel like you're hearing the same sugar coated lessons um that you don't really get a lot out of um and just but that's sitting like there. that
0: where you get the, the meat of the gospel
1: yeah so I was I was, have always been a little bit frustrated at that and so over time I mean I joined the church 10 years ago so it's it's taken a while for me to and letting go of that perfectionist stuff is, has taken a few years but I just the best lessons I've had in church have been when people have been vulnerable. And I teach gospel doctrine mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. I'm real. I'm very honest. And if people don't want to share, then I say, well, here's a really vulnerable thing for me. And now I hope that by sharing this, um, like can, do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. can invite, that can invite them and help them feel safe and comfortable. So sharing I just, those things as well. Yeah. I just, I just published
0: a book called the creation code and I, I'm working on a couple of other oh, books. Cool. And one of the big things that I, I focus on, is vulnerability, right? So Mm -hmm. in church and in our prayers, we're supposed to be vulnerable and that's really where you can make the connection with Heavenly Father because you're not like putting on this, oh life is great, everything's wonderful. It's like, you know what? I hope you know I had a hard time and I'm having a hard time. You know? It's not all like roses and and I understand speaking in faith, but at the same Mm -hmm. time he he knows. He knows what's yeah. going on. So we don't have to hide anything from him. And it's the yeah. same thing in my mind with our, our, our struggle with food, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: you have to be vulnerable with how you approach food and be yeah. real with yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Because a lot of
0: times we'll put on these masks where we're like, you know what? I don't want to deal with the real problem. I want to say that the problem is I need to be going to the gym more.
1: Mm-hmm. but the yeah. the
0: problem might not be the gym it might be how we see ourselves
1: yeah that's very much who I was uh like when I was in my early 20s when I was in college I had I don't know if this is what you wanted me to talk about but or if this is oversharing but um, <laughs> we're talking about I,
0: being vulnerable you're good yeah
1: well and you're a nutritionist so maybe this fits but um, I really struggled with disordered eating patterns mm-hmm. and an exercise addiction while I was in college and a little bit afterwards. Um, I really, I've always been big. Um, and I think that's when you're asking about body body positivity, I think some of that has grown out of just like my body isn't really, I'm not going to be a size two. And it's time for me to just like be cool with that and realize that it doesn't really matter. And my body has value. And so to answer that earlier question, I think that's where it grew out of, but, it took a long time for me to get there and it took a lot of really damaging um, choices regarding how I was feeding my body and what I was doing to my body and it affected my body and it affected my my brain <laughs> and my yeah. soul to some extent um, and this was now, b- even real before quick, I joined the church. Let yeah. me
0: I I'm just going to explain cuz some people don't know the difference between disordered eating and eating disorders.
1: Yeah. Right, okay. most
0: people just think that you have anorexia or you don't you have or, bulimia bulimia, or yeah. you don't you mm-hmm. have binge eating disorder which some people don't even know that's a thing but i explain yeah. it to them They're like oh that's me <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like you don't eat anything during the day and then the night comes and you're like give me everything in the house right um, Yeah. or you just like can't stop yourself from eating and yeah. that's not disordered eating that's that's diagnosable as an eating disorder Disordered eating is like what we do to get to that point where we make it kind of normal to starve ourselves Mm -hmm. or we make it normal to um, have to pay for the food that we eat. Mm -hmm. And then then it gets to the point where it's like, oh, well, you know what? I'll exercise for four hours because Mm -hmm. I had that big amount of food. And it's the same. What's the difference between exercising for four hours after eating a lot of food? And then having to exercise because I ate that extra slice of pizza. Yeah. Right? So disordered eating happens on a spectrum. And on one side, the extreme of it is an eating disorder. Mm
1: -hmm. But there's a whole
0: lot of gray that can get somebody to that point.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that. And I say disordered eating because I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder. Sure. Um, I, like I mentioned, I've always been big. I'm tall, I'm broad, I have the body, the figure of my father, just female, I always say it's female proportions amplified to my dad's build. So I have, you Mm -hmm. know, like, all the things that a girl should have, hips and thighs and whatever, it's just the, (laughs) multiplied by what my dad's size was, Um, and the the reason why I never, I don't know if I didn't get diagnosed, because I could never whittle myself down to like anorexic level um, levels of weight. I was never underweight. And Mm -hmm. for a while, when I was in college and high school, it seemed like body weight was used as a a diagnosing marker of anorexia. So I never really qualified in that way. So I I never say I had an eating disorder, but I I had disordered eating behavior. Yeah,
0: and to further explain that point, like I had a student
1: who was – was probably
0: about 350 pounds and Mm -hmm. she was explaining some of her eating habits and she would say, Oh, I, I, I will go on periods where I fast for an entire month and I don't eat, or I feel really bad if I eat food because I'm afraid of being big. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as she was talking about stuff, I was going through mentally the checklist and then I just thought, you know what, let's just show her the checklist, Right. So I showed her the checklist for anorexia and we went through and she's like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Oh, I totally do that. Oh, Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. My friends talk about that every single day, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to control everything in my life and I can't, but food is what I can control. So that's what I do. And then we get to the last one. And the last question is, is your BMI under 18.5, which is what you're missing, right? (laughs) Is your, is your weight under a certain diagnosable criteria and for her she was like no i'm not a skeleton so i'm not anorexic yeah and there's a lot of talk in the nutrition field to like remove that cutoff because you can you can have an eating disorder and not be a a stick
1: yeah
0: right just because Mm -hmm. you're bigger doesn't mean that your body is not being malnourished or causing other issues right but as far as the diagnosable criteria That could be an issue. Now, I'm aware that this probably is not the best place to stop the podcast, because we're talking about being real, we're talking about disordered eating, we're talking about vulnerability, But I got to stop it somewhere. And perhaps in the future, I'll do an episode where we are dedicating it to eating disorders, what they are, how people develop them, and then what to do with it and how to overcome it. But uh, we'll pick up our interview with Elise George next week, where she will discuss a little bit more about her journey with disordered eating, some of the social pressures of dieting, and a little bit about infertility. Now be sure to go to check out the show notes for more information about the piece and the plate annual event that will be happening August 10th at Thanksgiving point in Lehigh, Utah. Myself, Elise George, and JC Whiteman will all be there. Just as a reminder, there will be special launch pricing for the first 15 people to sign up. There is going to be limited space available. So just be sure not to wait because I would like to be able to see as many of you as possible. Again, the link will be in the show notes This has been the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist, and it's been great talking with you. Have a good day, and we'll talk soon.